The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to Christ. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Gospel of the Lord. Pray with me, please. We pray, come Holy Spirit. Lord, speak again in a way that we might hear you, a fresh way. And Lord, that we might receive what the Spirit has to say and grow more into your likeness. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, for those of you that have been coming, you know that we're in the midst of a series. For those of you that are visiting, let me explain the series to you. We're looking at the fruit of the Spirit, what Paul writes about in Galatians chapter 5. The very manifestation of the Spirit, the character of God that He wants to cultivate and grow in His body. Things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness. And today we're going to consider gentleness. Next week we'll conclude with self-control. But we're looking every week at a different characteristic that God wants to cultivate within us. And we're considering how does he do that? How does God grow us into his likeness? And let me just say, it's not like waking up one morning and we've got some fairy dust that's been sprinkled on us and all of a sudden we're loving or we're kind. It's not like that. We've been considering every week that God takes the everyday stuff of life, really the negative emotional things of life, and, and, and he takes those, and he can use those to cultivate his character. Let me remind you that we have a perception problem. We, we, we picked, the, picked up this problem in Genesis in chapter 3. We see things differently than God does. And we tend to look at life, and we can tend to look at the things of life that we think nothing good can come from that. We can see it like a wilderness, but God can see it like a garden where he wants to cultivate his character. We get that from Isaiah 51, verse 3. In fact, that's the name of this series. It's the garden principle that God takes us and he plants us in a garden and he speaks a word to us. And the way that we respond to that word shapes our character and it shapes our destiny. We just go back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and we see that. And the way Adam and Eve responded to the word of God. And we're told that their eyes were open. They were open to see things they've never seen before. They saw sin that they'd never saw before, and it scared them, and they hid. So we see things differently than God does. But he wants to take those things, 
those negative things, the things of life, the raw material of life, and he wants to use that to cultivate his character and his spirit. So today we're going to consider the next characteristic, and that's gentleness. And I want to begin by looking at the story that David read out of 2 Samuel 16. Because we hear about an incident that took place in the life of David, King David, king of the nation of Israel. And this is a low point in his life. And a little backstory to this is that his son, Absalom, has driven him out of power. Think of it like a palace revolt. And now David and his entourage, David and his mighty men, they're, they're on the road, they're on the run. And we pick up today in verse 5, where Shimei, a kinsman to the former king Saul, Shimei sees David and his band of men, they're on the run, and he relishes in the moment. Did you hear what he did? In verse 6, he begins to hurl insults at David and his mighty men. I mean, I was growing up, if you wanted to really get somebody upset, you would say something about them, and then you would add on, and your mama too, and it would really get you upset. But David, or Shimei is hurling insults at David and his men, and he's actually picking up rocks, and he's chunking rocks as these, as these men are marching by. Now, I don't know how you would handle that moment. In fact, that's a question for all of us. How do we respond to life when life doesn't go the way that we want it to go? How do we respond when, when we have a way of doing things and it doesn't work out the way that we want it to go? Worse yet, when people, because of circumstances in their life and it impacts our life, how do we, how do we handle that? I want us to consider David. David, he's had a tough place in, in his life. He's been driven out of power by his own flesh and blood by Absalom. And now this guy Shimei is hurling insults and throwing rocks at him. Verse 7, curse be you, David, for the blood that you shed on Saul's household. I don't know how you would handle that, but let's consider how did David handle that moment, that low moment in his life? When we pick up in verse 9 today that, that Abishai, one of David's entourage, one of his men, Abishai gets upset with Shimei, the guy that's calling out his mama and throwing rocks. And, and, and Abishai turns to David and says, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let's go and cut his head off. Sounds like a good plan, doesn't it? Maybe we do that when people upset us and we want to get rid of them. But that's the plan. That's the plan for, for Abishai. But yet, David sees it differently. David sees the whole circumstance differently. He says, no, no, let's not do that. Verse 12, it may be that the Lord will see my distress and repay me with good for the cursing I'm receiving today. Here's the point. 
David, at this moment in life, this low moment in life, when things aren't going the way that he wants them to go, he's got a choice. He's got a decision that he can make. In fact, it's the same same choice and decision that we all face every day in our lives. That when things begin to fall apart, when things aren't going the way that we want them to go, when life begins to be unraveled at the seams, how do we respond? And for a lot of us, we react with anger to the circumstance. Or we can consider David and how he responds. He responds by trusting in the Lord. This is exactly what Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. Peter describes the very same character that we see in David, the very same character in Jesus. He says this. He says, concerning Jesus, verse 23, when they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Do you see the similarities? David, David says, not a good, not a good plan. He says, maybe the Lord can use this for good. And he responds to God in faith. Jesus, same thing. He's reviled. He's spit upon, he's abused, he's rejected. Isaiah 53, 7 says he was led to the slaughter like a lamb, but yet he didn't open his mouth. You see, he didn't let the actions of others determine his actions. He didn't let the words of others have power over him. Instead, like David, he responds to his father He trusts in his father in the midst of the moment he's being led to the cross. Now, again, all of us are faced with this in our lives. The very same decision, the choice. No one is exempt of this. That when life begins to break up and break down, when things don't go the way we want them to go, we can either react in anger which is what a lot of us do, or we can respond to God by trusting in Him. Now, let's just go back and review. We've talked about it before. What is anger? Well, anger is just the emotional response of not getting what you want, of being denied of what you expect. And we get angry when we wanted something that doesn't work out that way, and our emotional response It's anger for a lot of us, regardless if we want world peace or we want that parking spot. We just just react in anger. And we tend to evaluate our anger on the level of intensity with the expression of anger. In other words, how explosive we get when we really need to critique, what is it that I want? What is it that I expect? And then we can begin to come to terms with the very root of our anger. But the reality is when life doesn't go the way we want it to go, a lot of us tend to respond in anger. And you know this as well as I know this, that when we respond in anger, a lot of us is like a daggum volcano just spewing out a lot of stuff. Or we can respond in anger 
like a good southern boy, we just put it on the back burner, let it have a low summer. But I'm still angry. The reality is, is that David and Jesus illustrate to us the next fruit of the Spirit that we're going to consider. The next characteristic that God wants to cultivate and grow in our lives. And it's gentleness. Gentleness. Now, what do we think of when we hear that word gentleness? Well, let me just say a synonym for gentleness is meekness. What do we think when we hear meekness? For a lot of us, that's a problem. Because when we hear meekness, we hear weakness. And when we hear weakness, we hear wimpiness. It's kind of like that old glad trash bag commercial. You remember that? They'd hold up a bag of hefty, 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 full of garbage. And then they'd hold up this other bag, wimpy, 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 and the thing just fell apart. No power, no strength. And for a lot of us, when we hear that word gentleness or gentle, we think wimpy. We think powerless. Or even in our Christian walk, we think doormat. Just walk all over me. And so when we hear that and we think of that, we, we, we say, I don't think I really want this characteristic. I don't really want to be wimpy. And give me love and joy. Give me kindness. But Lord, don't give me wimpiness. You can have that. We all grew up with pictures of Jesus, didn't we? I grew up in the Baptist church, and I can tell you the picture of Jesus this picture of Jesus, this mild-mannered Jesus, this meek Jesus. He's got, a, he's got a lamb on his shoulders, and he's got his hair perfectly parted and shampooed, and he's smiling. For a lot of us, that's the picture of Jesus. But that's not the picture of gentleness. That's not what God wants to grow in us. We tend to project Christianity gentleness as being powerless as a victimization of all the circumstances of life and we just try to hold it together and not be mean just like Mr. Rogers that's what we think of but again in the Bible what God wants to cultivate this fruit of the spirit gentleness meekness it's not the same thing as powerlessness it's not the same thing as weakness every week we consider a counterfeit I've said that anytime we find something of value in the kingdom of God, there will be a counterfeit for us to believe that that's the real thing. And every characteristic that we've considered, we've considered the counterfeit. You know what the counterfeit is for the real thing, gentleness that God wants to grow in us? Wimpiness. Powerlessness. But that's not what God wants to grow. He wants to grow the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is the concept of power. And when we talk about gentleness, it means harnessed power. This is what God wants to grow in us. It means tame strength. There's a term that comes from the British it's been said that we're separated by a common language, not an ocean, but we're separated with our friends over in England by a common language. And the term that comes from our Brits, it's, it's meeking the horse. It's meeking. 
It's putting a bit in the mouth of a horse and it's pointing to harnessed power that when the bit is in the mouth of that horse, that horse is under control. Harnessed power, that's meekness. That's gentleness. So that literally gentleness is tenderness shown through harnessed power. And that's what God wants to cultivate in us. And that's what we see in the life of David. And that's what we see in Jesus. What about us? Maybe now that we hear it that way, so we'll sign me up. I want some of that. Harness power? Yeah. So how does God cultivate this? How does he cultivate this gentleness in our hearts? What's the garden that he puts us in and speaks a word to us? Well, we might see it as a wilderness. And he sees it as a garden. And it's the garden of denial. Denial. Being denied what we want. Being denied what we expect. And it's when we are in that place, when we are denied, we have a choice. And we can either react in anger, take up the offense, point the finger, or we can respond to God in great faith. You say, well, how can that happen? How can I keep from exploding like a volcano? How can I respond to God rather than reacting in anger to that circumstance? Well, we heard it today in the gospel, out of Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. Did you hear the words that Jesus spoke? He said, take my yoke upon you. And learn from me. Why? Because I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. Take my yoke and learn from me because I'm gentle and humble in heart. Learn what? What does he want us to learn? Learn that he is a person under authority. Even though he's the Lord of heaven and earth, he submits himself to the authority of his Father. This is what we read in John's gospel, John chapter 5, verse 19. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. John 6, 38, I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. We see the submission of the heart of Christ to the will of the father. So what's the point That when it comes to understanding how God grows gentleness in the garden of denial, this is the key. The key to making a decision to respond to God in faith rather than reacting in anger is for you and me choosing to come under the authority of Jesus. We take our lives and we place them under his authority. We submit to him. We surrender to him. And we learn of him, especially in the wilderness of denial. Now think about that. If we're honest with each other, We don't want to do that. Why? Because we want to be in charge. We don't like to be told. What's the old saying? You're not the boss of me. We want to be the boss of us. But following Jesus, following Jesus is when we 
admit that we aren't the boss, but he is. He's in charge. So he says, take off the yoke, the yoke of being in charge. Take off the yoke of of our own authority and then come under the yoke of Christ's authority. Again, chapter 11, verse 29, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. In other words, what Jesus is saying is take the yoke of, of us being responsible for everything in life, for us being in charge of ourselves, take it off and put on his yoke. And you realize what happens when we do that? When we actually submit to him, surrender to him, take his yoke, our hearts begin to be filled with peace. It's the peace that passes all understanding. And because of that, we are able to walk in freedom. No longer do we have to try to be in control of everything. And you know how exhausting that is? We try to be in control of ourselves. We try to control and manipulate other people. And it just wears us out. And a lot of us are like that. But the irony is, Jesus is saying, take it off. Just take it off. The yoke of being under our own authority and put on my yoke. Come under my authority because my yoke is easy. Not that righteousness is easy, but it's a lot better than the way that we're trying to do it. Take on his authority. And see if we're not flooded with greater peace than trying to control and manipulate our own circumstances. This is what he's saying. It's in the garden of denial that God grows the fruit of his spirit, gentleness. A tenderness manifesting in harnessed power. And it comes from taking off the yoke of controlling and putting on the yoke of Christ in our lives. And friends, there's no greater struggle that we have with this than with our words. That's where we struggle. That's where we struggle to show gentleness. More so than actions, the common ground is our words. We struggle with our words when we're denied, especially with those who deny us. What do we do? We're like Shimei. James compares our words our tongue to a fire. He says in James chapter 3, verse 5, that our tongue is like a spark that sets a forest on fire. In other words, our tongue is incredibly destructive. And he says in James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, that there's another way to go about this. He says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Why? Because the anger of man doesn't bring the righteousness that God desires. That's what we see with David in 2 Samuel 16. That's what we see with Jesus. But you've got to ask the question, well, is the Bible saying that, that I, I, I'm not to be angry? Well, no. The Bible's not saying that. Do you realize that anger is actually an emotion given to us by God? We see this in Matthew 21. 
We see this when Jesus comes to the temple and he becomes angry. Why? Because the temple's being desecrated. But we see this gentleness in Jesus. So what do you mean? Well, there's this tenderness that manifests itself in harness strength. He sees the temple desecrated. And here's the word of creation. He could have wiped out everyone in the temple, destroyed all the desecration and all the followers there. But you know what he did? He says, my father's house should be a house of prayer. And he turns the tables over. You know what that displayed? Gentleness. Power under control. A tenderness towards his father and the people of God because he wanted to see the people of God have a place of meeting with his father restored back to its original context, intent, and design. Gentleness. It may not be what we think it is. But we see the biblical picture of gentleness in David and we see it in Jesus. And the question is, do we see it in our own lives? It's in the garden of denial that God calls us to stop trying to control and to take off the yoke of ourselves and put on his yoke of authority by submitting to him, by submitting to his will, because he wants to grow in us harnessed strength. He wants to grow in us harnessed power, a tenderness that comes out of that strength. So take it off. Take off being in charge because in anger, in anger, we are destroying the one thing that God wants to build up. We learn that when things don't go our way to give it up to God to tell him what we wanted to trust him and submit to him show me the way father and when we do that he grows gentleness in our hearts power under control harnessed power when we are submitted to him you see this is what the world longs to see in you and me Longs to see this, this gentleness, this harnessed power, not wimpiness. This is why Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, he says, Let your gentleness be evident to everyone. Why does he say that? Because they need to see it. Because it's one of the most winsome ways, winsome things about Jesus, who was reviled. He was abused, and he didn't retaliate. But in gentleness, he won the world by becoming the sacrifice on the cross. This is what God wants to grow in us. This gentleness, this power under control, this harnessed power. Our Father and our God, we thank you. We thank you for the picture, Lord, of being yoked to you. And Lord, we 
We confess our, our weaknesses, Lord. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to change our hearts. Lord, that we might, we might be gentle. Harness power, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.